Welcome to the Thriving Women in STEM podcast. We're your hosts, Dr. Ursula Lang and Dr. Brianne Daniels. Our mission is to support, nurture, and re-inspire STEM professional women to reclaim their lives and flourish. And the way we do this is through community building, shared experiences, and coaching tools. Let's do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for our second podcast of the month of March. We're excited to be here. How are you doing Very today? excited to be here. Yes, very good. Loving, loving our topic. It's been giving us a lot of insight into ourselves. And I love bouncing ideas back and forth off of, you know, off of you, Brie. I know. Awesome. Yeah, that's so good. And we basically, you know, had a little, a little jam session before hopping on here. And then we said, we better just hit record because this is, <laughs> this is so important to just, just go, just go with it. So we're on the topic of identity again this month. And today we're going to dive in a little bit deeper into how we see ourselves and basically the things we do versus who we are. And that's, you know, kind of just another way to say, you know, how we, how we self-identify um, and how that shows up in our lives, I guess, is a, another paraphrase way to say that. So for this topic, is there anything you'd like to bring forward, you know, before we get started? No, I think that was a really good way to put it. Just things we do versus who we are and are they different? Are they one in the same or, you know, how, how are they different? I think yeah. that's what we're going to talk about. Yep. Awesome. So just to kick us off a little bit, um, I think this has been something that I personally have, you know, coached on and, and dealt with a little bit, um, especially maybe more recently in, in my life. Um, because I think growing up or at least going through a lot of our training, or at least, you know, the experience I had, there was a lot of equating the things we do or our actions to, to who we are. Right. You know, like if you're, if you're going to med school for many years, you know, over time, you may start to introduce yourself, you know, tied up in that identity, or let's say if you're in grad school, you know, introduce yourself. Oh, I'm a grad student. And that takes up, you know, almost all my time. And so then our brains can start of sort of start to identify, you know, that's who I am. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with identifying with things um, that we do, you know, because they are, of course, part of our lives. Um, but it can be problematic if it sort of a, becomes an over-identification, um, if you're taking it to the point where um, you wrap up your self-worth in the thing you do, and then something perhaps changes what you do. And that could be an outside force or circumstance, right? Uh, or it could be perhaps a change that's out of your control and you're no longer that thing that you were doing. <laughs> and then that can bring up a lot of conflict for us in terms of how we see ourselves and our identity. Moving on just a little bit to think about how has this sort of become part of our existence? Maybe many of us growing up were in school molded to see our achievements as equated to our value. If you do well in school, you, you can feel better about yourself. Um, or if you get the gold star. And I know last week we mentioned a bit about, you know, <laughs> Brene Brown, but, um, you know, I think she talks a lot about, you know, getting the gold stars and, and perfectionism, of course, and vulnerability and those concepts of starting to tie up 
our identity and our worth in the things that we do and the stars that we collect along the way. And this, of course, can be applied to you know academics or or maybe sports, um, competitive environments, especially when we're in our formative years. Yeah, so that's just to offer a little bit of a basis for why perhaps you know a lot of us get to our adulthood and um, may find ourselves at some point struggling with how we feel about things that are happening around us that have to do with what our labeled thing that we're doing is and and our identity mixed up in that. And, you know, so a lot of times, right, that'll be our career or our work, your job being either a, you know, a scientist or physician. And if our identity is really wrapped up in that, that can be an area that can be a little bit challenging to navigate, especially when external forces, right, or circumstances may change that thing that we're doing. That could be losing a job or a job change or shift um, in some way. Ursula, was there something you wanted to add there? Well, what you were just saying, I think it's so interesting because we talk a lot about our belief in ourselves, right? And how once we identify with the thing that we're trying to accomplish in our goal, we need to be the person before we actually do the thing, right? It's the thought is before the action. Mm -hmm. The thought leads to the feeling, leads to the action. So we really encourage, and we do a lot in coaching about on our beliefs, our thoughts, believing it and it becoming something that is unshakable, right? Like we know for certain that we're going to do something. I think this is reinforced over and over and over in our careers. Once we get to the graduate level, even before, of course, in high school, but like every time you write an application, every time that you do a thing, and then in that writing of these essays that we do, we reinforce the doing of the thing and the accomplishment being something that we believe in so strongly. So we want the belief to be there in order for there to be the accomplishment, but that when that accomplishment doesn't pan out, for example, or doesn't go exactly as we think it should go, that we don't make it mean less about ourselves. Like that belief, it's, it's almost like what we're going to talk about next week is cognitive dissonance of like believing something, but seeing the facts are different, right? So that it can be kind of jarring. And wrapping up our worthiness, like you just said, was really, um, was essentially very well said. I don't know if I can add to that, but, but, <laughs> but knowing within the belief that we are somebody or something that regardless of being that person, like say a scientist, that no matter what, that we are hundred percent worthy and we will be for the rest of our lives. Like that, that belief is, is almost like a separate underlying belief on top of these other beliefs that we cultivate and we want to create for ourselves. Oh, that's so good. And I think you were about to head here, but if we just peel it back a little bit, maybe like, you know, we're going to just like go back a little deeper, <laughs> go a little deeper. Um, I was wondering if you would share your analogy example for this concept that we are hundred percent worthy from birth until our last day on earth for the rest of our lives. We're hundred percent worthy the entire time. And that there's no there's no thing, right? Circumstance or job or event that can take away our worthiness. Mm-hmm. Would you just mind sharing your story? I thought it was really yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I think uh, personal examples are pretty powerful for sure. So, I think for me, one of the big, big ones was when I was writing my K08, and 
that was a, one of the biggest grants that I've written. And it was during a time when I was also homeschooling with COVID and I had a lot of responsibilities, but not for it to be an excuse or any of those things. But part of me at the time when it didn't go through and I didn't get it, I made it mean that I was a failure, like in some ways, a failure for do for not getting it, but also just tying a lot of, like I, w- I think I was kind of devastated, but I was devastated because I felt like I was the failure and not so much that it just was a failure. Like the thing didn't, that was the first step in like, right. In uh, failing forward was to find out what the feedback was and what things could go different. And when I was getting coached on this, the coach actually raised this possibility that no matter what I did moving forward, that it wouldn't change my enoughness. So my enoughness, meaning like worthiness, right? This is kind of, we're saying those words interchangeably. What would I get to feel had I gotten the result I wanted? I would have gotten to feel proud of myself, right? But what if I could feel proud of myself regardless of the actual circumstance? And I think, you know, that ultimately felt really um, like a challenge for me to, to, to think, even if I didn't get the thing I wanted, could I still be proud of myself? And so it took actually a lot of effort to unwrap the associating what I was doing and accomplishing from that feeling of being proud and being proud of just having gone for it or knowing that no matter what the result was that I could still feel enough in my being a, a worthy part of the society, perhaps. I don't know if that's part of like where our raise, you know, we're raised to give back and contribute as almost like a moral obligation um, versus like, what if I just wanted to do those things and we get to do, we get to do this life and we get to do the careers that we're in, not because we have to, but um, because we want to. And, um, and that getting to versus that having to versus getting to peace was huge. <laughs> Yeah, because um, she kind of raised this idea of like, what if you just laid in your bed for the rest of the week? If you just decided to do that, and for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. Like, you would still be a hundred percent worthy and be enough. I was like, what? That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) But I think seeing it from that perspective was helpful for me to start unraveling my self worth being tied to the things I do. Yeah, right. Like you, you, you say sometimes, you know, open that crack a little bit, just wiggle it open a little bit with this possibility, right? That that you could still be one hundred percent worthy if you just laid in bed for a week, the rest of the week, wherever you are in the week. Right. Um, and then to really think through that and be like, you know, yeah, I don't think I would be less of a person. I'd still be worthy of existence <laughs> and yes. love from others and from myself. Right. And that that is possible as, as being true is just, it's just so good. And I, I really appreciated you sharing that with me. And I, I felt like our, our listeners would also really appreciate that. And a lot of times I feel like, you know, we kind of are maybe introduced to the concept of 100% worthiness, and it can kind of be one of those things that we hear. And it's like, yeah, maybe, but it doesn't sink in until we really you know, either sit with it ourselves in our own personal circumstance and in, in life, or, you know, maybe hear, hear someone that we know and, um, you know, can relate to have kind of a similar story. And anyway, so I just really want to thank you for, for sharing that. That was really helpful. I think what you just said, actually, for me, the person I heard this from was another coach who was Harvard, Yale trained lawyer. And she now coaches, um, women, fem- like, uh, 
she's a feminist coach on um, for women and um, hearing her talk about it. And those words was also like, if she could do that and if she thinks she's still worthy after, you know, taking an afternoon nap or doing something just for the sake of lounging and relaxing. And she was able to see her self-worth as still being a hundred percent. I started to believe it a little bit more. I was like, wow, okay. Somebody who I consider a very high achieving, you know, having all the trophies, et cetera, but she now recognizes and has seen the possibilities in just allowing yourself to relax and to do absolutely nothing. And that in that nothingness, you're still enough. I think that was kind of mind blowing to me. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I feel like it's like over and over mind blowing for me. Like I keep relearning it as a lesson, you know, which is another reason why coaching is so useful to help us maintain our routine habits of thought, um, just like our gym routine, if we were to do it, (laughs) you know, every day, I'll admit I haven't been doing a gym routine every day, but um, you're building another human yeah. being. Body, I think <laughs> I stretch. <laughs> um, but um, you know, kind of lightness aside, I think that the last thing I wanted to just bring forward in our group is that um, I think for a lot of us, this can be kind of a hard thing to to deal with or to to see in ourselves that we maybe don't think we're a hundred percent worthy, and we maybe have tied some of our worthiness to what we do. You know, because maybe in our rational thinking brain, we're saying, oh, I understand that concept. It all makes sense. But putting it into real practice on a daily basis and actually feeling it can be a challenge. And maybe even especially so because many of us probably had been, have been right successful at most of the things we have tried. There may have been difficulties along the way and definitely failures along the way, but that sometimes you can get to a point where it's like, I've always, I've always been able to get, get through the thing, whatever whatever it is, right? It could have been school. It could have been sports. It could have been things related to jobs, but the truth is life is, you know, inevitably throws us things that are, that are challenging, that are difficult, that are out of our control, right? For me, that that's where this really comes in, especially powerfully that we have this 100% worthiness, regardless of what happens, you know, in our circumstances in our lives. And that we have that control to, to manifest that, in our minds and then produce the feelings from that of worthiness. Very well said. I also just want to offer everyone, if you didn't have to do anything, like none of it, like what would you choose to do? I think that was really kind of deconstructing the whole, my whole life and just saying like, what if I didn't have to do any, like one single thing? what would I choose? And, you know, that was a really powerful exercise for me. So I recommend for each and every one of you contemplating life and who you are and your identity and how you see yourself to think about that question, because it can really point you into the direction that you really do want to go and you're denied and ignored for years. That's so good. So can you just recap what, what's that exercise, like what to write down on the paper? Yeah. I mean, just imagining, I think probably sitting with that first of all, and believing like if you didn't have to do any of it at all, like you didn't have to go, you didn't have to take your kids to school. You didn't have to go to your job. You didn't have to cook dinner. You didn't have to do any of it at all. You could just sit in a room. What would be like the first thing you would introduce back because you wanted to like, what would be the next thing? And what would be what, you know, like, what would you put on your plate if you 
had a whole buffet of life in front of you, like what would be the beautiful balance that you're looking for and the things that you want to do? And they're not all going to be easy things. I don't think we ever say that it's supposed to be easy or always happy, but I think deciding over and over again, like it can be once a week doing this and like deciding this is what my week is, what I'm choosing for my week. And Deciding that from a place of 100% worthiness, you don't have to do any of it because you're already 100% worthy and you don't have to prove yourself to anybody like that. It can just be so much more fulfilling. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I think I might go do that exercise after we get <laughs> so good. Yeah. And, and like, I think what we also are discovering too, is like, we're constantly reevaluating like, oh, like I did want to do that thing a month ago, but mm-hmm. as I'm reevaluating and like, what did I learn from it? What did I decide? What am I going to decide all over again today? And yeah. that we have the, we, we do have the autonomy and like the agency to do that. I think is super powerful. And permission. Permission. permission to yeah. Grant you permission. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. That was, that was super great. And I'll look forward to our next week. Same. Have a great week guys. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to apply some of these principles to your own life, we are here to help. Get started by following the link in the show notes to download our step-by-step video guided workshop to reclaim your time.